This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And I'd like to say we're suitably relaxed after our two-week break. Well, we forgot the trials and tribulations of what's been going down at Griffin Park the last few weeks. But we've now regrouped deep in QPR territory. A lovely little boozer, the Queen's Head on Brook Green in Hammersmith. We were actually going to come here before the QPR game, remember? But um, I spoke to you guys about it, and you were too lazy to walk the 25 minutes to the ground, so we went somewhere else. But it's all good. It's quite lively in here. All the punters are drinking whatever they're drinking. Uh, they look like they've been here all day, to be quite honest with you. But uh, lovely booze of the Queen's Head in Brook Green, and uh, they've been good to us. Um, let's see what they're going to be like at the end of the evening when we'll be shouting and sort of waving fists at each other. But anyway, what are we going to be talking about today? We'll be talking about the Blackburn match the up-and-coming Forest game. We'll also be chatting stats, but merely for the reason that there's a bit of news that went down recently which we found quite interesting. And we'll look back over the international weekend. So I'm here, I'm Billy Grant, in the boozer, with Mr Dave Lane. How you doing, Dave? I'm all right, mate. Um, It's been a a nice couple of weeks off of Brentford. Um, It's not been a couple of weeks off of football. We've obviously watched a couple of England friendlies, um, watched them beat the Germans, which is a really, really heartening performance. I went to Hampton and Richmond Borough um, on Monday, Bank Holiday Monday, watched them win 2-0 against Leatherhead. Um, Lots of Brentford fans there, which was good to see. uh, um, Not Leatherhead, Hampton let Brentford fans in with a season ticket, normally for a fiver. Um, This game, they let them in for nothing if you had a season ticket so there's probably about 200 Brentford there I'd say so spent most of the uh, game just chatting with uh, some really friendly bees um, putting the worlds to rights and uh, watching football that actually didn't matter which was quite nice there was no jeopardy attached to the football I was watching but uh, that's going to change again Nottingham on Saturday is going to be back to the uh, the nitty gritty Indeed, we're looking forward to the nitty-gritty, getting back there, see what Dean Smith's going to do with his two-week break. Last time we had a proper international break, it turned things around, but we'll see. I'm also in the boozer with Mr Liberal Nick Carthew. Mr Carthew, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I've been having, I, I've had two weeks without football. I didn't manage to see any of the England games. Um, no, I, you know, not really interested in those nationalistic uh, uh, football matches. <laughs> 
<laughs> let's just stare, let's, let's go for, straight for the stereotypes. All right, come on, come on, just get hell out. <laughs> you know, don't like to see countries fighting each other. Uh, it's a game of football for Christ's sake. But anyway, didn't see, didn't, didn't, didn't see the football. Didn't see any. Didn't uh, have, have watched very little sport actually, apart from uh, listening to a bit of cricket over the last few days. And I just had a relaxing time. So let my blood pressure go back to normal. And I'm sure in the next this in the next hour, and certainly on Saturday, I'm sure my blood pressure will rise again. So we've got a doctor on tap anyway. Actually, like I said, they've been wicked at the Queen's End. They said, look, if you need a doctor for liberal nick, we heard that he gets a little bit heated. So uh, we'll bring him down at any time. There's a surgery actually just two doors down as well. So, but listen, we've got the Matt Allard, the Allard. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just back from a little trip away for the Easter weekend. Went to see another sporting passion of mine, motorbike, off-road motorbike racing in. Um, it was in Holland, just south of Eindhoven, which was near enough to the German border that Saturday evening um, I spent the first um, half of the England match surrounded by sort of happy and cheering Germans and um, and the, the last 20 minutes of the England match enjoying watching less happy and cheering Germans um, so um, yeah sorry about sorry to disappoint you there Nick <laughs> um, and shorts on to be honest I wasn't even we weren't even admitting we were English until we got the first goal back we were keeping very very quiet <laughs> Having walked into the bar at 2-0, and um, yeah, it was um, yeah, not nice weekend to get away. It's nice to get away and, and do something a bit different away, essentially away from football, um, and to um, you know drink some interesting beers in, in another country. And uh, we've got another guest. As you know, we always put our arms open to people who want to come on the show. Anybody can come on the show. This is all about people coming on and having their own views. You can say whatever you want to, we'll sit here and we'll discuss it. That's what it's all about. We've put this out to actually a lot of people. We said, listen, if you've got something to say, come on the show. Come on the show. It's a surprise where some people who seem to have a view just don't, they seem to turn it down. But Mr Mick Liner, he has decided, he says, I'd like to come on the podcast, Bill, which I thought was great. So it's good to have you, Mick. How are you doing? Very well, Bill. Thank you very much for inviting me on. I really enjoy it. Um, last couple of weeks, I've switched off from football after that Blackburn game. Last weekend, thoroughly enjoyed doing absolutely nothing, not worrying about listening to football or going to football or planning anything. So it was good, really good. But I'm getting a little nearer the weekend comes. It's um, getting to sort of think what's going to happen, you know, how's it getting outcome, etc., etc. It's a nervy time. Listen, I'd advise you to stay relaxed and stay cool because the game on Saturday will be all right. So, and me myself, I had quite a good good weekend actually as well. I went to see. Uh, one of the rivals for uh, Hampton and Richmond, actually, Dulwich Hamlet. That's one of my sort of little loves. I went to see them play up at Enfield Town. I haven't been to Enfield Town for years and years. What a wicked place that is with the old Art Deco. They've yeah, got that. Yeah, it's yeah. great. They've got like an Art yeah. Deco stand, and it was quite good. There's about 650 fans there. Probably about 300 Dulwich fan, fans that travelled up from South London. <coughs> it was good. It was lively. Both sets of fans were singing behind the both goals and everything like that. Yeah, it was, it was good. In, in the temporary stands behind the goals. That's that's right. Yeah. Re- that's right. Relatively temporary. This is really new football. This isn't it? Discussing Art Deco stands <laughs> and the quality of beer and the quality of the beards on display. Has it not been renamed the Mark Warburton stands after his rise to fame now? Not yet. I think they're still, you know, they're still having a poll to, to see if they can get that through. But yeah, that's, it's actually not the same ground that he used to play on, actually. It's just a little bit further up the road because they've had to move into the old athletics track. But yeah, it was wicked. And I was actually there with four, there four bees there, actually. It was Scratchy, who I know listens to the podcast, uh, Willow as well, and Shaka as well. So I was there, four bees. 
actually up at Enfield watching the Hamlet, which is good. Went on a boat party down the river on Sunday, which is wicked as well. So uh, I was got completely mashed up. And then <laughs> on Tuesday, I went to go and see the England game at Wembley, which uh, didn't do me any good. I thought, I thought England were right, and a lot of people slagged them off. But I actually thought they did all right, seeing as it was a, an experimental team to a certain extent. And I think, you know, I think the Euros will be exciting, where we've got tickets all the way through to the final, indeed, haven't we, lady? Well, if we get to the final, we have. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a quite a big if. <laughs> it's always a big if. But anyway, listen, we are going to have to cast our minds back to two weeks ago, a game where, to be quite honest with you, I couldn't even remember the score because it was so bad. I actually kind of, you know, like when you cut things out of your memory banks. So I couldn't even remember the score against Blackburn. But instead of us talking about the Blackburn game, we're going to go back to the pub after the game to hear what the fans had to say in the pub after the game about us losing whatever the score was, and I can't remember what it was, to Blackburn. I thought the team gave it absolutely everything they had. The I mean, so there's, no, there's no problem with that at all. The effort was there. They gave it absolutely everything. Blackburn was solid at the back. They were man mountains at the back, and we couldn't break them down. And you always think, if we, go, if we don't score, we're going to concede, and that's what happened. Completely toothless in my book. Um, we never, ever, ever looked like scoring. And the only time we really upped our ante was in the last five or ten minutes. We just didn't ever want to take the, take the ball and try and beat a player down the middle at any stage. And if you don't try and take a player on and beat them, then you're not going to get round them. There's some chemistry missing in that team at the moment. And I don't know whether it's Smith or whether we've taken away a crucial kingpin to it, like Dear Agaraga or like Tarkovsky. But there seems to be a certain spirit that's missing. The Cormac has made a difference. You know, I can see a bit of it coming back. And Woods has stepped up to the mark. And Yonaris is actually the one player, you know, the one sort of silver lining is playing better. But everybody else seems to be off their game. We've been playing relatively OK over the last two or three months. Not always getting the right result. But we're in, a t- we're in a transitional period since Paul Lambert came in as manager and he's gradually making a, a number of changes to the team and I'm already looking forward to looking ahead to next season where I think we'll be able to have a bit of a promotion push. Just to talk about the Brentford side, um, of course you've got one of our ex-players in um, Alan Judge and we always like to see him and I know he's done well for you and uh, I hope he continues to do so. Blackburn fans, listen, end of the season, what else have you got to look forward to, or is this the pinnacle for you? Well, beating Brentford away? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. Of course, it always is. It's for everyone who comes down here, this is the pinnacle for them. It's a bit like the record's got a scratch. Um, I think I'm saying the same thing every week now, Um, and um, I'm not seeing any difference. You know, the players have a meeting, um, weekly, it seems, um, to try and sort it out, and um, and I'm sure Dean Smith is telling them what they should be doing. But I'm seeing the same sort of, you know, the same reaction week in, week out. And I, but I am finding it quite difficult to put my finger on it. What I do know is we're not creating any chances. Um, we've got no players finding space, running into space, and we're not playing balls into space. And it just, it just looks pedestrian at the moment. Um, and I'm, you know, I, I often talk about how, you know, fallible we look at the back. 
Um, but now I'm at the point where I'm really worried about our lack of um, potency. Potency, yeah, our lack of potency in the top third of the field. Um, but it has been sort of a reoccurring theme, probably since I would say um, Brighton away. Look, I'm really struggling to find any positives at all from today. Uh, it's very easy to just go in on the negative and criticise Smith and criticise the tactics and criticise the lack of uh, any kind of dynamism uh, within the team and you know the lack of thrust and lack of maybe passion even uh, from from the team but you know there's there's very little to draw from today that was was positive that gives me hope for the season the only thing i can say is that at least there's only one relegation place to play for and uh, you know we're basically in the mix so that was what the fans had to say in the pub after the game. Obviously, they weren't too happy at all. We just lost to Blackburn and uh, the umpteenth game in a row that we'd lost as well. I mean, we don't normally go into too much of a discussion of the match, but because it's two weeks ago and there's certain things that happened, we just thought, let's just have a little bit of a recap around the table here as well. We were desperately looking at the loan market to see if anyone's going to come in at the pretty much at the last minute we had Leanne, Leandro Rodriguez the striker from Everton came in we didn't know much about him but we know we've had quite a good relationship with uh, Everton and from what I heard there's a good bit of feedback that I've got from the coaching staff saying he's a, a wicked little player so that was quite good as well we thought but he was a bit thrown into the, the lion's den I think you know for that game and uh, it was a really difficult debut for him to, to make to be honest with you you know it was, he was up against two mountains of defenders um, you know and uh, if you come out of under 21's football and you, you come into the cut and thrust of the championship I don't care what kind of background you've had in, in Uruguay that he's not going to come up against six foot five defenders every week that are just going to just block him you know it, it, it was almost impossible for him to do anything in that game um, and I, I, we, he's had a couple of weeks now to hopefully you know work with the, you know Brentford and I'm, I'm hoping that Dean Smith can set us up in a in a way where we can go to Nottingham and do damage because we, we, we have to now we we're, we need to be past experimenting we, we, we need to, to go and get points now I think one of the, I think the interesting thing was that he started because um, I think he really does show you where we are where, or where Smith is with his striker options to take a guy on loan who's um, hardly played any first team football in this country barring maybe a couple of you know short minutes in a cup matches for Everton and throw him straight into a championship game but may that be that Everton insist on it we, we, we probably don't know the restrictions no? we, uh, from what I can gather we don't we don't bow to those restrictions at all from what I can gather but, yeah, no, it's, it's good to put out you know because it, it, it may it may be that you know uh, at QPR he played Judgy up, up front on his own um, that was a gamble next game he's, he's played Rodriguez up front um, that's a bit of a gamble so you know I just got to think we've got to stop chucking these dice out he needs to get actually get the best out of the players he needs to know the players and, and, how, and how to best motivate them yeah I mean that's the important thing from the last two weeks is hopefully he'll have decided what the team is he wants to play and he'll stick with it I mean I as you know I've been critical over the last few weeks is I don't think he, he knows what he knows what his team is and, he, and how he wants to play with it so players have been chucked in chucked in the wrong positions been played out of position um, and just just, just 
just simply haven't performed. I mean, actually, I think um, Rodriguez, it was interesting, Bill, what you were saying, that we don't go in for such restrictions, because we all had the theory, of, for instance, that Canos was only being allowed to play one full game a week by Liverpool, which actually, I think, st- stacked, up, stacked up as a theory. But if that's not the case, then actually, Canos, and I'm afraid to say, again, I don't know what he's been doing this week in terms of playing for Spain or uh, the under-21s or whatever in Spain this week. Under-19s, they lost to England. Right, OK, sorry, well, as, as I say, because I don't follow nationalism in that way, I don't, you know, I don't understand it. But, but uh, Canos, is, Canos, I think, has got to start on Saturday. And the combination of Canos and Rodriguez, Canos coming in from wide to Rodriguez, who I, I understand is a proper centre-forward, could be an interesting combination. Yeah, I think it's a real, a real shame that uh, the manager cannot trust any of the strikers we've got in the club. And you bring in, a, as the guys have said, someone who's played very few minutes and you're looking in to bail us out. I mean, uh, does it happen? Not normally. I mean, was he 23 as well? Injury prone, allegedly. I mean, I'm just interesting because obviously we come on the podcast every week, we chat about this stuff, but you're, you know, you're from the outside of Brentford fan. I mean, what's your view about things that have been going on in and around the club, on the pitch, off the pitch and stuff like that? It's just interesting. Well, you look at it and... Well, it's just, personally, it's so disappointing. You sort of try your best to support it. You, you look, you, you're, will, you're willing the team to win. You're absolutely willing them to win, no matter what. But you can see what's going to happen. It's, you know, it's like that, that Blackburn game. I was sitting with uh, my mate Alan beside me, and, and I said, it's going to be one stupid goal to win the game. And we were all over, them, and I still thought we would concede. I really thought we concede, and unfortunately we did. But I see us conceding in every single game, and I don't think we got the goals to do anything about it. I really don't. Um, I, I had a similar feeling in the Blackburn game. Um, even though they were down to ten men, uh, it just felt, you know, that, that ultimately their strength was going to be from a set piece, and whether they got ten men or eleven men on the pitch, they were going to be just as strong from a set piece. And there was, I did have this, and it's a really awful feeling, and it's difficult to explain why you get it. Probably because you watch so much football, and there are certain sort of, you know, sometimes I think there's certain rules in football, and this game was just fitting into one of those rules that it just felt like it was going that yeah, way. I think sometimes you do get a sixth sense that, uh, of having watched X thousand yeah. Brentford games or, or X thousand football games. It's football, it's football. Yeah, that, yeah. You, that you know, you can kind of guess how the how the next phase of play may. I mean, it's still it's still a flip of a coin, but you've seen it so often. And I, I have to admit, I did say to the bloke standing next, next to me, Dutchman, this I don't think we're going to hold out when just as they're about to take a free kick and, and I, I don't want to be a smart I'm happy to be proved wrong but the, they scored from that um, and, I, and I, it was just something in me that I thought mm, this, this, this seems like it could be a goal for them but we, what we have to do and, and I'm, this isn't blind faith but I think we have to just kind of we have to put that behind us now it's, it's, what, what, what's the rest of this season is is a proper scrap um, and we're going to have to put our faith in what's left of we, we, I think we're going to talk later on about what a gamble it's been not to bring any more players in on loan and I, I, I do think it is a gamble um, and ultimately um, people's reputations will be at stake if that goes wrong but we have, all we can do is support them to stay up now yeah, What killed me about that was uh, when, that, when that cross came over there was three Blackburn players in the box against our six defenders and I cannot believe that they couldn't communicate that. It was shockingly poor, but that goes with no confidence. 
frightened maybe to tell players what to do. I mean, we look, we look for Alan McCormack to be doing that. You know, we're looking for a player there, with others, who weren't good enough to play two years ago. And we're, we're holding our faith in players like that. No disrespect to the fella, he tries his hardest, but ultimately it was his header, his mistake. He held his hands up after about six players against three. That's shocking. That is absolutely shocking. Um, I said this after the game, but essentially, um, against teams like Blackburn, it's all about hype for me. We just, we, we are so... You know, we are we, we, we're, we're half a foot shorter than, than players, literally as they ma- as they match up man for man, um, and that you know that that's why I think I'm I'm quite concerned when we play these teams that are, we call the middle table cloggers, but but to be honest, we're completely flawed defending against them. I mean, I think that's a good point, Matt, because I think we've got a good technical team, uh, understand how to play football, but when we we we're now having to grind out results, as Dave said, and you know. And have we got the players that can do that? That's, I mean, the thought occurred while while you were talking is that actually, rather than start Rodriguez on Saturday, should actually we start somebody like Scott Hogan, who really is used to battling out in English conditions for, for a team, start him, play him, see whether he can last 60 minutes. I noticed he didn't play in the re- under-21 or the reserve game yesterday, so, so perhaps he is, he is getting his way back to finish. But, you know, 50, 60 minutes of Scott Hogan, um, who understands the conditions and what's needed to score in English football, might be the answer. I, I would make a point, actually, as well. <clears throat> and if you cast our mind back to, I think it was a couple of seasons ago, when we were out there, I think it was when our first season in the Championship, when you first started off for the first month, our fear was that we weren't um, not aggressive enough, but we weren't tough enough. Do you remember? And we just thought, you know, we played Blackpool, we played with me, we beat Blackpool in the end, but we played Charlton, and all these teams were sort of bullying us off the ball. And for the first month, you know, we just said that, you know, good technical, pass the ball around, but we were struggling, coming against these really big sides, and we weren't able to deal with it. But then something happened where it flipped, and we, we were able to deal with it, probably because we just went bang, 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 and we sort of played around them. Bill, there was a period as well in that season. We went through, we, we played some, some clogging teams, one of a better expression, at the start of the season. But then we actually, in uh, the, 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 the first part, we came up against some quite good footballing teams. And that's when we discovered that we too could play football as well and got onto a run, got the confidence. And then as a footballing team with confidence, you can, you can go anywhere. At the moment, we don't have confidence and we're not playing football. I mean, we've, we've said this pretty much all, all season long on the podcast, and it's the one thing that actually scares me more than anything else is the fact that we aren't equipped to battle our way out of this situation. We can play our way out of this situation. We're technically still a skillful team. Technically, we, we can still play football. But... If that's if that's not working for us, then you know, as Matt said, you know, against these bigger, more physical teams, you know, we're if, if we're half a foot shorter in most areas of the pitch, sooner or later, that that's that's going to that's going to impact on the game, um, and we, we we have to find some sort of form from somewhere, and I'm and I'm not confident we'll find it. I love the technical side of the way we try to play football, but at this stage of the season, it's not about technical football; it's about winning games and. Nicking a nil-nil now and again. The Blackburn game, I loved the nil-nil. I didn't get it. We get bullied off it. People lean on our players. Just a, a little bit too weak. A little bit too weak, I'm afraid. You're, you're right, but we have what we've got, and there's no point going into games trying to get nil-nil draws because we do not have the players to do it. And so, so we just we, we there's only one way out of this. 
and when I've said it a hundred times, we've got to play our way out of it because there's no other option. I'm just do you, sorry, do you mean by playing, you mean play play football and play Scottish football out of it, rather than just battle for a result and, get, and take where you come? If we score a goal with with somebody off somebody's backside, you know that won't do. We, 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 we can't play our players wearing stilts. You know, our, our players are who they are now. They've they've decided not to bring any more loan players in. They didn't buy anyone in the January transfer window. We've, we've gone over that. You know, I wasn't happy about no transfers in the transfer January window. I'm not actually particularly confident that there was the right decision not to bring any more loan players in. But what has happened has happened now, and our players and our squad we can't change. And and that 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 squad is a fairly light weight, as in doesn't weigh very much. Short team. They can only play football. They can't kick it long and get a big man. Hoffman's the only big player that we've got. And whether he's fit, or I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I, as Matt said, we've got to play our way out of this. OK, play our way out of it. And we've talked about the loan window. I think we're going to talk a little bit more about the loan window, what we got, what we didn't get, and maybe the gambles that the club has taken, because maybe they're calculated gambles and they know exactly what they're doing because, you know, that's their full-time job. So but we'll talk about that in just a minute. So the loan window came, the loan window went. We signed one player, Leandro Rodriguez, striker from Everton, who comes very in high regards, apparently. Very good young prospect, thrown straight to the team, as we said, against Blackburn. I mean, the question I've got to ask, I mean, when we heard this Rodriguez was signed, striker, <laughs> were your expectations really high, or is it past that stage for you now? I mean, did you think, oh, brilliant, we got Rodriguez, he's going to score a hat-trick? Well, you, you've got hope, haven't you? you? I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, you can take me out the back of the, the Eden Road and shoot me in the head if I ever get to the stage where I look at, a, you know, us getting a new player and I'm going, oh, he's crap from from day one. You know, you, you've got. Especially if you've never seen him play. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you, you've got. You've just got to hope that you know they hit the ground running. To want of a cliche, you know, um, it did. It wasn't the right game for him. Um, he, he was ill-equipped, as would any of anyone have been really against those two. Um, Blackburn defenders. So um, I just I just hoped a little, for a little bit more. I mean, obviously the pressure was in him to a certain extent, but then afterwards he didn't have that much pressure because at the end of the day he got nothing to lose. He's a he's a youth team player from uh, from Everton, and you're thrown in the first team. So at the end of the day, you know, which ultimately you've just summed up maybe the flaw in, in, in oh, having him in on that. It doesn't reflect badly on him no, whatsoever. No. You know, he didn't have a he didn't have a bad game, he didn't have a great game. He couldn't have had any other game than he had, I don't think, unless he was played clean through and he was on a one on one and he had a great chance and he and he didn't have that. So you know, let's 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 see what happens at Nottingham and we can judge him in a you know, hopefully when he's not up against two giants. I'm interested as well because I mean, looking back at the days, you know, when Brentford either been in a little bit of a pickle or they've needed players to to bring into the side. Maybe as we're coming into the last run of the season, are there any lone players that you can think of who have actually made an impact for the bees? Like you know, like I said, with this guy Rodriguez, we're thinking he would have made an impact. If he scored a goal, he'd have been an instant hero, wouldn't he? 
mate, you know, we've had so many loan players over the years. I mean, I think under Andy Scott alone, we must have had 500. And you know, you know, and 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 this is this is what this is what I think makes Brentford fans very good judges of, of players. You know, and, I, and I've, I've said it a, a dozen times before, and apologies if you've heard me say this, but we know shit when we see it. We've seen we, we we've seen enough of it in our time. But and, and we're a good we're a good judge when when we know that the player's got potential. But looking back of all in all the years, uh, two two really jump out straight away in my mind. In more recent memory, Jeffrey Schlupp, I thought when he came to Brentford um, under Andy Scott and he, 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 and then Forster, I think he played in the um, he played in the LDV final as well as well. I think against Carlisle. Uh, yeah, the post. But I thought he was awesome. I thought he was the mo- one of the most scariest, fastest, most powerful strikers I'd seen at that stage, and he's got a chance of winning the Premier, Premier League medal this this year. Was that striker or, or right back? Well, you know, I think he's Mr. Verst. But going going back to when I first started um, following Brentford back in the late 70s, a guy called Keith Fear, F-E-A-R. Ian Brown actually wrote a song about him later on. Um, and um, it, he, he scored a hat-trick on his debut, I think. I think it was 6-2. Six, 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 or oh, scored 2. 6-2 six, 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 win, or was it the 7-2? 7-2 against Hull. I thought it was the Chester when, when we won 6-1. I thought, I, thought he scored, I thought he scored a hat-trick against Chester. But, um, well... Don't, don't, don't let the facts get the way of the story. Anyway, he tabled for the last three minutes. Anyway, he was... He was a... He was a... Bearded striker from Chester on loan, I think. Probably. The Allards. Um, uh, Kadeem Harris, who found his way to... Um, found his way to Brentford on loan. Um, we were, you know, we were struggling, weren't we? In that Colchester game, got thrown on. I think we were one 0 down and went on to win it three one. Indeed. Yeah, and um, I, and that was very exciting. Um, and then he got injured not many weeks later, from what I remember. Uh, I think eight matches he played for us, and he went up to Preston, and they chopped him, and uh, that was it. He never played for us again. But um, we did try and buy him actually after that. But Cardiff were having none of it because they thought we're uh, we're going to go back to the Premier League because that's where we belong. And uh, you're just a little Division One side, and we've got no interest. But it certainly was a turning point, though, in that season, wasn't it? That hundred percent, hundred percent. And also got Uwe Rosler at that substitution. Possibly got Uwe Rosler a job at Wigan. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, I guess he would have. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so <laughs> Mick Liner. Oh, recent uh, loan signings. I mean, you've also got current players now, Judge, which are. But the one that really excited me more than any in my time was David Kemp. Two and a half games, a great goal at South End, and that was it. <laughs> it, it went after that. We had him on loan from Spandau Ballet. <laughs> <laughs> and he was gold. He was proper gold for those two and a half games, but no, I mean, I, I felt sorry for the young lad last, the other week. You know, he's come in, I think, I'll say young lad, he's 23. He's not He's not a kid, but um, I don't know what he knew or expected. Did he watch us on DVD? I don't know. I mean, he's certainly got a, a right hiding from the Blackburn players, that's for sure. You know, so good luck to him. John Bostock. Aha. 17 years old. Wonder kid. Wonder kid. Comes on, came on against Millwall and scores a goal from a corner. Direct from the corner. Direct from the corner. It, I mean, and that, I thought, you know, 
and he he played for us, and I thought I was seeing a real superstar. And actually, the thing about Bostock is John Bostock is that look, go and have a look at his story because there is somebody who had actually everything. to everything. He would have he could have been the he he was the next Paul Gascoigne. He could have been the next. Absolutely up there with one of the best players, certainly in England. And and his story is such a shame. He's now playing in Belgium, um, and has basically fallen out of love with football. I think he's I think he's playing in Belgium because he might be Division Two in Belgium because he might be married to, to 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 somebody who lives there. But I mean, John Bostock, he just and that was when I realised actually there was something about that's when I realised that perhaps modern professional football in the Premier League there was something slightly wrong about it as well because he was one of those players that couldn't quite break into the Tottenham team um, uh, I think probably because of attitude rather than ability um, but what he did for us just just the remembering that that direct corner goal yeah, but to be to be fair he did it in that first match then after that he got too big for himself and if you remember the situation Andy Scott and if Andy Scott's listening to this hi Andy how you doing um, Andy Scott actually sent him packing sent him home because after a while he just wasn't getting tucked in he wasn't putting 100% in and when he went home Harry Redknapp who was the Tottenham manager at the time gave him an absolute bollocking he completely and utterly annihilated him and he said to me every time I send a player out I'm going to be getting good reports from the manager they come back to me even if I send them to like Chester or to Altrincham they come back and they stick 100% in he goes when I come back and I don't get good reports from you that's, that's, that's just not good that doesn't look good on me and he really really laid into him and his dad got really defensive if I remember rightly Bostock's dad saying oh Redknapp was out of order but I think in retrospect he's obviously looking at this situation thinking my son had it all in his hands and he fluffed it that's our Bohemio as well. You think when he signed for us, Rosler got rid of him. He got four goals and the trouble he's called since. Score goals, got talent, but he's bother. So in fairness, we do we do seek out good potential in players, but unfortunately, whether they whether they live up to it or not, that's another thing. Again, I think that's that's football because you can't, you know, you can. You, I mean, we don't we don't in the game. You've got hope you, you, you uncover good eggs. You know, some some of these kids have got. Everything at their feet. They've got, they've got, you know, they've got salaries and, and lifestyles you could only dream of. But you know, if, if you're fully yourself and you're you're not a good person, then you know it's, it, it, it's gonna you're gonna be wasted eventually. And I feel sorry for Bostock, but you know, if he's not if he hasn't been intelligent enough to, to take take it, then tough. And I know you mentioned Berahino. Yeah, he scored a fantastic goal against uh, Carlisle at that, which is on the box as well. Yeah, he scored a great goal. But the fact is that his attitude was wrong. And even as good a player as he was, it's interesting how the team is like, you might be a great player, but you don't fit in with where we're going. And uh, so it's interesting where you see some of these players, where they're still there and they're doing their thing because you've got, to go, you've got to grow with the club as well and the club is actually helping them develop. But the, but the thing about the loan system as well is that for, you, you'll, you'll get one good one and you might get two, two bad ones or, or, or the return round. And that, what worries me is we've only brought in one player. And now I'm not saying Rodriguez is good or bad. I, you know, we haven't had anything to, to judge on this. I have no idea what his ability, his ability is temperament-wise is like. I'm sure he might be, might be OK. But he is the only the one lone player that we brought in. So, so interesting. I mean, let's let's have a look at this, right? Because obviously, this is <laughs> if you look on social media and everything like that, there's going to sort of semi meltdown with people thinking, "Oh no, we're going to get relegated." Oh no, this is really terrible. You know, we're in a situation yes where we haven't won very many games recently. Now, we have got I think nine games to go before the end of the season, right? 
we know that we're owned by a gambler, a proper, full-on gambler. He gambles, right? And do you think that he's just kind of looked at the situation and he's just thought there is actually... We, all we have to do is win, what, two more games? Maybe two games? Or maybe draw one and win one? Maybe one. Maybe one. Just win, win one game, maybe a, maybe a draw. Do you think he's just gone, tell you something, there's no way that we're going to lose nine games? Do you think that that's, that's what's been going on? I think, I think there's a, there is a little bit of a problem with bringing... Um, we're bringing loans in at this time of the season because um, you, you, what sort of player are you going to get on loan? You, most likely they're going to be a player that's playing for development squad, um, a higher league team, or a player that's out of completely out of favour somewhere that just wants you know wants to get away. Uh, so, so if you look at the development squad players that you can bring in, they aren't likely to have played much first team football before. And then you've got nine games, so you're, you, straight away you're experimenting with the player. You actually you don't really know if they're going to. If they're, going to, if they're going to deliver for you, so so there's a, it's a real sort of you know do, 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 you know is it the better better than devil you know? It seems but interesting because Birmingham City, who are obviously trying to go for the playoffs, they actually got Kyle Lafferty, yeah. right, yeah. who basically needed to play because he wants to get in the Ireland squad for the Euros. So he, he's almost like anybody, take me as long as I get a game, like you know. So he's sort of tried and tested. He's scored a few goals there or there. He's maybe a bit out of form. He's been playing for Norwich in the Prem. But, you know, maybe taking a step down, you know, we'll see in a, in, a, in a couple of days' time whether or not they made the right move. But I think the whole loan system and bringing in loan players is so fraught with so many variables. You know, Matt last year was famously said, you know, Darren Bent will be the ruin of Derby County. Right, this year he said that, who will be the ruin of Middlesbrough? Jordan, Jordan Rose. Rose. And, you know, it's, I, know, I know they signed him in the end, but, you know, sometimes I think there's just so much at risk with a, so much pressure on a lone player coming in and having to make an impact. And it is better if you can get your way out of it with players who are your own. You, you hope that the badge means more to them than, you know, they, 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 there's less of that Bertie Big Bollocks that where I'm too big for this club. I've come down, you know, my, the hunger's not there, the appetite's not there. You know, it's, 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 it's an ever-decreasing chance of it being successful if you don't own the player unless they're very, very good and you've paid through the nose to get them. And that's not the Brentford way. We're, I don't think we were going to start paying £30,000, £40,000 a week for, for, for anyone. I don't think that's the way we're doing it. And I, I go back to your question, is, is the man at the top taking a gamble? Yes, he is. In my opinion, he's taking a gamble and it may be... I, I wouldn't have taken the same one. You've got to be brave to be a gambler, haven't you? And obviously Matthew has decided decided to be brave and uh, stick with what he's got rather than rather than twist twist on anything. What worries me? Well, no, it doesn't worry me. What I hope has achieved from the last two weeks is all those players and the majority of the players will have remained at home and on the training ground and stuff. They've come together, they've bonded and they've said to themselves, right, this is what we want. There's been a lot of good words coming out actually in the press interviews that from the, the, the players have done over the last two weeks. Now they've got to translate it into action on Saturday. Alright, okay, so listen, that's the loan window. I think we rinsed out the loan window very, very much, but now we're going to actually talk about something which is the zombie in the room as Matt Benham talks about. There's a little stats thing that's come up which we thought was quite interesting and we're just going to discuss it around the table right now. So, the zombie in the room, 
we're going to talk about the zombie. <laughs> I'm not a zombie. I'm not a zombie. I'm a living, liberal. living liberal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to discuss the zombie in the room. Um, there's information and, and, and it's out there at the moment now. And we just thought it'd be quite interesting to discuss this. Because from what we can understand, um, smart odds have disbanded their analytics team. Um, Ted Nutson, who was from the blog Statsbomb, he came in to work for Smart Odds, working on F- uh, Michelin and Brentford. And then recently, he has been let go, uh, as well as a few other people as well. Now, it's, it's quite hard to get the information of what's going on within this world, because it is quite, it is quite secretive, because, again... You know, you live and die by, you know, the way that you operate, you know, your secrets and everything like that. And a lot of people are tied down by, you know, confidentiality clauses and stuff like that. So we've been sniffing around quite a lot just to find out exactly what's going down and and trying to find out how this is going to impact on Brentford. So it was interesting. It was actually a snippet uh, or a tweet that went out from Ted Nutson a few days ago. And he put out some sort of one of his usual charts. And he, apparently he had been putting on this Statsbomb um, website for ages. And all of a sudden he started posting on there again. So people started asking questions as to why he was posting on there. And within there he actually put, you know, he had a, uh, he had a snippet of personal news in there. Um, which said, the now defunct football analytics team during my days at Smart Odds, open brackets, Brentford and FC Michelin. And that got all the stats people going, oh my God, what's going on, you know. And asking him questions. To be fair to Ted, manners, he gave... Bedham and, the, and everyone that employed him big props and said, you know, I wish them well in the future. It's cool, you know, I'm just moving on. But we're sitting down there thinking, OK, how exactly does this affect our football club? I mean, when we discussed this earlier, what are your thoughts, Laney? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's clearly a U-turn that's gone on. Um, I, I would have thought that if, you know, I, I don't know much about that side of of the operation and the stat side is always going to be shrouded in secrecy it's their it's their it's their um, it's their secret it's their secret weapon it's the thing that gives us an advantage I would have thought that if ever there was going to be a contract end it would have been during the close season so it, it seems like there has been a change in plan um, and you know, in, if, if we if we learn anything from the Benham interview that we did a few weeks back, it was the fact that he's kind of admitting to mistakes and he's he's changing plan if things aren't going right. This seems to be very much a case of this operation, this this kind of subcommittee wasn't wasn't coming up with the goods, and um, he's not. He's, I wouldn't have thought it's a um, a, a major um, diversion away from the statistical um, modelling and the you know, the way he analyses players, and he's looking for um, an advantage in using numbers and data. I don't think this this particular team was working, and he's made changes and, and fair play. Theo. Worth people digging out a story that's on a um, website called businessinsider.com. Uh, it's a good article. It's a good article about the owner of Brighton. Uh, inside, uh, inside Star Lizard, um, which is the company that is owned by Tony the Lizard <laughs> Bloom, who is um, the owner of Brighton as well. And there's some interesting insights into the fact... and. That basically he's employing the same model as Matthew Bennett is employing, and look at where Brighton are in the, in the table. And you know, it also talks. This article on BusinessInsider.com talks about um, Tony Tony Bloom being fairly ruthless as well. And I think Matthew has proved that he's been ruthless in it. In it, what he what he's done in the last few weeks. Uh, 
the stats model isn't buried, but actually it doesn't matter at this time of year because all the stats that care is that we get another three, four points that keep us in this division. And then we go again from, uh, from August this year. What was interesting, again, again, this business inside, and what we're going to do is we put, we'll post a link on this podcast. So at the bottom of the podcast, we'll post a link so you can read it. It's quite a long article. But what are the interesting thing I thought about this? I, I, I didn't know much about Bloom. I'd heard about him, and I knew that him and Matt Benham had worked together at some stage. But basically, they've got pretty much exactly the same same business it seems their their offices are sort of two or three two or three miles down away from each other and he does exactly the same thing he's a professional gambler he used the whole statistical thing and everything like that but what he has done is he's properly secret about everything that he's done how he's registered the companies the names and everything like that and he hasn't kind of even though he bought his childhood club brighton and he's like put money into them and everything like that he's kind of just knocked the, the, the whole stats thing away so no one knows it's actually associated with it but, but you read this article and you sort of think hold on a second here, I can see some proper parallels going on between what is going on there and what is going on at our place I think may, maybe uh, you know, you've got to look back to what happened last year, we had a phenomenal season last year where Brighton didn't um, so we, we had the success and we had, we had the people, you know, and the journalists sniffing around us with their, with their sort of microscopes saying, you know, how, how a little old Brentford doing this. So we were very much on the radar and, it, and, and there was tension buzzing around us. Um, Brighton, Brighton have been able to learn by our mistakes and, and we have made mistakes, you know. It's, it's, it's the terminology, the way um, um, the statistics has been explained to people, the way... Um, the PR, yeah, the, the, the PR, the spin, whatever, the, the backstory. You know, every, every club, as we found out, is using analytics and statistics. It's just the way it's explained to people. If you use language that doesn't seem like it's witchcraft, people aren't going to ridicule you. Unfortunately, you know, the way history has panned out over the last eighteen months. There's a lot of ammunition that's going to be shot our way when things don't go right, and it's not going right now. So it's obviously a failure. It's working now at Brighton, so he's the genius. So you know, it's cyclical, mate. It's it's interesting because the sniffing around that I've done, and like I said to you, I mean, we've been talking to quite a few of the stud spots and everything like that. Who, interestingly, we tried to get them onto the podcast. Um, They were busy for various reasons. Um, Which ones? Not not. Not the Brentford one. No, 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 no. The stats guys, like the stats bloggers and the, and the stats people that work within the business, we were trying to get them on for an interview just to try and get them to explain what was going on. And uh, it was interesting, but what I'm... What that's, because they spend every, that's because they spend every hour of the day sat behind a computer, probably don't come out in public, actually, yeah. at all. They've probably got beard, they probably, you know, probably work in their underpants as well, <laughs> tapping away, looking at some obscure game from the Romanian 4th Division. I, 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 hate, I hate to say it, because I'm sure they're... I'm sure they're lovely guys, and they and but I've got this vision of them. You know, like in the X Files, where Mulder turns to those three geeky guys and you know, who help him with. Um, I've just got this vision yeah. of them. But, but from what the sniffing around that we've done is that it seems that Brentford, uh, Brentford um, employed a particular system the last few years. Um, which is quite a simple system, which we did, where we found all these players and it worked, and Warburton is part of that, and Uwe Ross is part of it. And it's quite simple, they had this league table and they put these players out and it worked really well. And for some reason, maybe because they thought, let's go up to another level, they decided to bring in this whole stats team thing and bring in a whole load of other people and just basically change it up. That obviously hasn't worked. All I can presume, and this is the presumption, that they're probably going to go back to the original model that they had before, because it's like, what you know, stick with it. I think, I think um, Nutson or Knutson... 
Knutson, is it Knutson? Um, I think he's uh, he, he's quite an he's quite an interesting character because in the Michael Calvin book, um, the the one li uh, living on volcano, the one about the manager, he, and there's a story in there about him turning up at the training pitch and um, and being so unfamiliar with football that he leant against the goalpost. Um, and but it does you know, and that story I guess is told all over football. Do you know what I mean? You know, so it does make me think he was probably sort of a character that that did. Um, you know, you know, people had different opinions of him. Yeah, I think the stats are all, all well and good, but um, I'd, I'd throw it out to a lot of people listening to it. Who's Brentford's uh, chief scout? It's a question which I can. I know Andy Scott has been sort of in the uh, news as such lately, but who is our chief scout? Scouts used to be spoke about all the time. You said, look at your scout, the sort of players they bring through. I can't, remember the, the, I can't remember him now. The famous scout we had that brought Herlock and all these non-league players come through. Oh, Griffith. Uh, John, Griffith. John Griffith. What great reputation he had. Yeah, yeah I mean, we've got a scout now. And again, any reputation. And again, maybe that's what needs to be explained to people because I know that, you know, Rob Rowan, Robert Rowan is the head of football, you know, so he's the head of football and, you know, if you speak to him, he worked at Celtic, you know, and he, you know, he signed Hooper and stuff like that at Celtic, so on and so forth. Whether or not he's a scout, I mean, I know that he goes and watches games, you know, or whether or not he's the overseer and he's got scouts that he works with. I know that Andy Scott is definitely a scout, right? He, he kind of came on as a sort of temporary kind of basis, but he's obviously done something that they like, so he's actually kind of been put in permanently. But even Robert Rowan, who would, who would, men who would mention him? Who I know threw that one out, a lot of people would. I, he's not, I know the name, but it's not the one that I think straight away. Not at all. It's, I'd, I'd like the old traditional chief scout, head scout, you know he was, he'd come in the ground, it's our scout there, that's the guy that finds our new players for the future. We haven't got it. Mick makes a very good point. I mean, a couple of years ago, I was lucky enough to be able to go and watch a lot of the uh, development squad games, and you go round to the grounds, and, and you would see the same people watching the, the games. They're nowhere, men, yeah? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and, and suddenly, I, I began to realise that what they were were, the, were the, the, the scouts and the chief scouts. And, you know, who is putting in the expenses mileage claims at Brentford? who will have been on Saturday at Enfield Town watching somebody or might tonight be at Adrianians watching somebody else, you know. I'd be interested to know what those type of games are, uh, type of guys are, because I know that they're there, but perhaps a bit more background about, you know, what they're doing and what they're up to would be good in terms of PR for the club. So, look, I mean, we come back to this. We've been talking about, like you said, you know, the, the, the stat side of things, which has been disbanded. It's still a little bit grey. Like I said, we've done a bit of digging around. We might try and see if we do a bit of digging around in the future. But from what we can understand, like we said to you, they had a system, they changed the system, the system didn't work, they went, they're going back to the original system, is what I believe is, is going to go. Is this going to affect the way our football club runs? I think... Oh, I think Stats disbanded. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't think we're disbanded. You know, I don't think we're going away from stats. I think we might be looking at different, you know, other options. I can't believe we're suddenly going to become, you know, and go back twenty years. That's the, way, not... the way I see it is, that nothing changes at all apart from a a, a group of a, a team were brought in to to maybe sort of progress things to one stage further, and that's not quite worked out. This, you know, the the whole way that the owner 
makes his makes his money and is is to, to to study numbers and study teams, study players, to to come up with you know. Um, Data that you can extrapolate to to, to, to find players that have, have got a value above where they currently are. I, I, that's not going to change, but maybe this team of people didn't quite work out, and that's that's it's just got rid of them. It's, it's quite simple as that. And we're going to come back to it as well. Like I said to you, this article, which is in Business Insider, you should definitely ever read of it. It doesn't matter, you know, if you believe or you don't believe, it doesn't really matter. Just read it because it is really interesting. The fact, like I said to you, Brian, I, I knew nothing about this, I'll be honest. I heard they were doing a bit of this, that, and the other, but when I read it, I, I was just like, oh my God, this is just like carbon copy. But the geezer obviously knows about just basically keeping things completely stum and quiet and just operating underneath the radar and uh, you can tell that you know he's obviously been putting things and feeding things into Chris Hewton but Chris Hewton takes all the all the credit for the players that they're getting maybe he's got a bit of input and stuff like that which is maybe the way it should run but also I think the other thing that we should do is we should actually get a little bit more clarity on the scouting system because we actually don't know like I said you know we know the Rowan we know the Andy Scott and I've heard that they have got scouts but it'll be probably a good idea to know exactly who these people are and maybe we might be able to bring that information for you within the next couple of weeks. So game at the weekend, playing Nottingham Forest, going up to, well, going up to Nottingham to go and play Nottingham Forest. And a uh, big game for the Bees, obviously. We need to win, or at least get a point up there, I'd say. We could talk about Forest as much as we want to, but we thought instead let's go over and talk to someone who knows a bit more about Forest than we do. There's a duo out there called Wicklow and Wetton. They do videos for Forest, and I'm going to talk to one of the guys, Danny, about what's going down in the land of the forest. So, off to the land of the tricky trees. That's where the forest happens to be. And I am chatting to one half of Wicklow and Wetton, Danny, the man good. with the video blog for Forest. How you doing, man? I'm good, mate. I'm very good. Are you? I'm not bad, not bad. Last time I saw you, you were going absolutely potty in yeah. the was it upper stra- upper upper Bridgeford stand because you yeah, just beaten Derby one nil in the in the local Derby there, didn't you? Yeah, that was it. That kind of turned our fortunes after a little bit as well. Yeah, we uh, yeah. we was going a bit bit berserk then. I mean, that was our first win in God knows how long, and right. uh, yeah, it just it just came about in the right way, and you happened to be in the right place at the right time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it was a very very. I must admit, it was a very good night. We had a very good day there. But listen. This is more important for us now, for both of us, not because we are both in a little bit of a predicament. We're probably in yeah. a slightly more of a predicament than you because we haven't won for quite a while and our form is yeah. looking pretty stinky. But we both need the points. I mean, how have you guys been getting on the last few months? Well, to be honest with you, um, out of the last six games, I think we've, we've lost about five of them. Um, it might be the last six out of seven games we've lost. And it's just, it's just terrible at the moment. I mean, we, go, we play well and we lose we play badly and we lose there's just no there's no way around it at the moment um, and it's difficult because obviously Dougie has been sacked recently which I'd completely disagreed with um, I can't see what anybody would do different from now to the end of the season even though Paul Williams himself is a good coach but it's again it's the tale of our season is where goals come from we look quite res- resolute in defence we don't concede many um, but when we get opportunities we don't take them so when the other team gets an opportunity takes it, we generally can't come back from it. So that's been the tale of our last few months, mate, to be honest with you. And that's interesting because you said you've got Paul Williams as your coach as well. And if you, you may or may not know that he was part of our comeback team because at the beginning of the season we were doing absolutely terribly and we got rid of Mariner Steichhausen and Lee Carsley took over for us. 
Started off with oh, really? not too great. Yeah, then after that, we had a brilliant run where we run loads of games on the run, including beat QPR, which is fantastic. And Paul Williams yeah. was his right-hand man for us at the time. And what we heard is that Paul Williams did a lot of the on-the-field stuff with the players, and Carlton yeah. did a lot of the off-the-field stuff, and they sort of worked as a really good combination. And we thought, you know, this could be quite an interesting person for Brentford Williams, you know, because Carsley decided he didn't want to stay for us. So we thought, okay, well, if Williams is here, the players obviously like him. You know, everyone likes him. But as soon as Carsley left, Williams left and went to Forest. Well, to be fair, Williams, as soon as he came, he he had a good track record and and everybody heard about it. And there was a bit of a buzz around the ground because all of a sudden they saw this new fellow on the side of the pitch behind Dougie. He was actually barking more instructions onto the pitch than Dougie. And you could hear people around, who's that guy? Who's that guy? And then it started to move around as Paul Williams. Everyone's like, oh, he's a pretty good coach he is. And it's interesting now that Dougie has been sacked to see if he grasps this with both hands and actually tries to put himself forward as a candidate for a permanent managerial role at Forest. It'd be interesting to see if he does that because I can't say I'd be displeased with it because we can't get any, any worse than my eyes than we have been at the moment. Like, tactically. So- yeah, yeah, I mean, so, so I mean, what's going on? I mean, last season you had an all right season again. So what I mean, it's got already wrong. Obviously, you sold a couple of players as well. Antonio, mm. he went off to West Ham. You know, you lost yeah, a bit did, of yeah. firepower there. But, you know, and also you had your, uh, you know, your financial lockdown as well. Uh, yeah. But to be fair, you had spent quite a bit of money to try and basically buy your way into the Premier League. And it didn't you know quite what? work out for you. In a way, in a way, in a way you're right. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think... I just, I, I can't get my head around how we've got into the embargo situation in respect of it came about through play, not paying bills on time and, and other little aspects that all added up to like this, this embargo that we've gone into. And I don't understand how we didn't pay bills on time and this, that and the other because I'm, our chairman's meant to have all this money. So that, that was a bit confusing for us. Um, but you're right with us losing them. Um, obviously, Sam Belonga's been out for a year. He's just come back and he played last night, yesterday for under 21 and scored. In the Very good game. game as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it myself too on, on Facebook. I think so. But yeah, it was a good goal. But Antonio, massive loss. Um, but what I will say is, Antonio leaving made us play better football. Why? Because you put everything through Antonio. Exactly. Yeah. Um, even though he scored a lot of goals and, and made a lot of assists for us, it was fantastic to have a player like that in your team. But when everything goes through him, eventually teams suss it out and they put three men on him. And then what, what can you do? So we, we had to adapt a different style of play. And we start to play better football, but it's, uh, it's Peter Downhill a little bit. But the embargo situation, I wouldn't use that as an excuse at all because Dougie Freeman brought in a lot of good players for freeze and on loan. I mean, Nelson Oliveira is our top scorer. He's a good player, but now he's injured for the rest of the season. Um, so he's gone. Um, Matt Mills, he's, he's our second top scorer <laughs> from centre-back, but he's been a revelation. He's uh, now captain of the team as well, while Lansbury's injured. So, and Jamie Ward, of course, coming from Derby. I mean, there's some great signings he's made under, under a shoestring budget and with his hands tied, tied behind his back. So I thought it was very harsh for him to be sacked when he was, just for a few, few bad games. So it's been a top top-to-turvy season for us and it's, it's really weird. I don't know where it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and also I've noticed, yeah, I've noticed as well that Walker, you know, Des Walker's son as well, you've got him on loan at Burton as well. He scored a, a, bit, of a bit of a decent goal. I think that was his first goal that he scored for you guys uh, against us at Griffin Park last season. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it was his first senior goal and only senior goal so far. <laughs> um, All right. He, he came onto the scene, burst onto the scene, looked very promising. Um, he's, still, he's still a good player 
but he's lacking confidence in front of goal. He needs a goal for us in our colours um, to really ignite himself and get going again. Because we we thought he'd play quite a bit this season due to the lack of funds and strike, striking options that we had due to injuries. Um, and the games that he played, they didn't really stamp any authority like Oliver Burke has since he's come into the team. Um, so it, it, it's kind of a good thing that he's gone out alone. I think it will only benefit him to play at a bit of a lower level just to get his confidence up and hopefully score a few goals and then come back to his next season. So we'll see. We'll see. What we'll see. We'll, we'll see. So we've got the big game on Saturday. Obviously, Brentford are lining up. You know, Massive. we've got. A, you know, we've got a few players as well. Obviously, Alan Judge is going to be coming back from international duty. He didn't get the look what in a, that we thought he might have had. Absolutely. No, I, I think. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's done so well for you this season, hasn't he? He's done very well for us. Unfortunately, I think that Ireland uh, don't play enough football, so he he he, uh, he unfortunately <laughs> was uh, was left sort of kind of watching the ball going from up to one side of the pitch to the next. Unfortunately, but hey, he's going to be playing on Saturday. So we've got Alan Judge as well. We've got a new guy called Rodriguez as well from Everton, who's up front, which we bought put straight in the team because our strikers have been misfiring as of late. So he may yeah. or may not start as well. You know, we've got Alan McCormack. You now we've got all sorts of you know players which are you know which are there. We're still trying. We're still trying to do the right thing, uh, Brentford. We're still trying things out. Dean Smith has come in, and he hasn't had a great run, to be quite honest with you. There's been a lot of sort of whisperings about him, but, you know, a lot of people also say that he needs to get a chance maybe next season when he brings in his own players. But um, yes. it's just been a bit disappointing that he doesn't seem to have been able to have motivated the players that he's got at the moment now for whatever reason. So whether or not he's had two weeks to do that over the, um, over the break... Will that be interesting? So, I mean, we're going to be setting up in our usual way. We'll be playing our passing football, trying to play you off the park and passing the ball around, and hopefully yeah. we'll actually have a bit more incisiveness than we normally have. How about you guys? Yeah, yeah. How, you, how will you be setting up against us, do you think, and how, do you, how would you get on? To be honest with you, um, it's a bit difficult to call at the moment because Paul, Paul Williams, since Dougie has gone, the two games that we've played against Middlesbrough away and Derby away, both completely different types, different games... Um, was set up really quite fluidly against Middlesbrough and it really worked. We took the game to them and we kind of really did well. We, we, grabbed, that, we grabbed the goal and they got a fortunate um, winner late on. Sorry, not, not Middlesbrough, Hull City, sorry. And um, they got a fortunate uh, equaliser late on and we, we were a bit unlucky not to come away with three points there. And then against Derby, tried to set up the same way, but it didn't work because... Derby just had that little more incisiveness about them and they managed to grab the goal. But just before that, if you'd have asked me two games ago, I'd have said we'd have set up quite defensively, very resolute, getting men behind the ball and really breaking on the counter. So I'm really stuck in two minds as to what I think will happen because we've lost our last game and we haven't won in a while. You might be inclined just to shore it up and try and hit you on the counter is what I'm probably more likely to go for. Possibly, and also Paul Williams knows very well the way that we play, so he's going to have more inside the box yeah. of the Brentford team, which is probably slightly worrying, but then after we've got a few players in there that he won't know about. But listen, Danny, I want to get from you a score prediction from the match on Saturday. A score prediction? Um, this, is, this is the difficult part for me, because having watched, if anybody's watched our preview, me and, me and uh, Adam find it very difficult to predict for this one, because we think both teams are in very similar veins of form, they're both performing sort of similarly. Um, if, if I'm going with what I genuinely think will happen, I think it will probably be either a nil-nil or a one-one. But in my heart of hearts, obviously, I'm hoping the Forest grab a one-nil win or any win. <laughs> so, but I would say I'll say one-one. I'll say one. Okay. 
So you've got the 1-1, one, one, I've got 1-0 to Brentford as it's going down. So fingers crossed we get the points, we'll be safe, we can breathe easily. Listen, Danny, good to chat to you. One half of the Wilco and Wetton video blogging posse from uh, not Check their stuff out on YouTube and on Twitter and all over the place. But listen, mate, I'll catch up with you no doubt Saturday. Maybe we'll uh, exchange a few texts, especially uh, if the bees are whacking a few goals in, I might actually put a few extra ones. <laughs> Sorry, mate, it sounds good. Great to talk to you, bud. Nice, no, mate. So interesting thoughts. The Forest Boys, who I've seen him in the stand... <laughs> the Upper Bridgeford stand getting very excited when they uh, when they beat Derby 1-0 in the big local Derby but this is going to be different hopefully on Saturday when the bees come down there because we need to get the points guys two weeks away time for us to kind of reassess and to just reaffirm what's going on confident are we that we're going to do something against a Notts County team who may or may not Notts Forest. Forest team Notts Forest team, I did try and say that, who may or may not have a summer longer playing for them. Um, not, not. Co- I wouldn't say I'm confident. I, I, I'm going there looking for what we need to, to come away with. And I think if we can go there and get a point, our record at record at the city ground isn't isn't bad at all in, in recent visits. So, um, you know, you can forget reputation. You know, I'm, I'm not looking at the stars on the shirts. I'm not. I'm not thinking about Gary Burles and Trevor Francis and Pierce and. And, and Chapman and, and those kind of players from the past. <laughs> yeah. Not Herbert, Lee, Lee Chapman. Um, so I'm not, not, I'm not. You know, we, we go. We, I don't I, like uh, what, what her name was. Uh, who did he marry? Who did? <laughs> Leslie. I don't think we need to go there. I think it's going to end up in some sort of yeah. Anyway, um, I'm, I, we don't. We don't look at. We don't look at reputations and histories anymore, which is quite good. You know, we're, I think we're quite comfortable in that we're a, a decent championship team now. So we don't go to the city ground nervous. So that, that used to be our game of the season. This is just another fixture for us. Um, we have to go there and not lose, is what I say. And then we need to go to city ground, not lose, and then beat Bolton. And then I'll probably this time next week, we may be safe. And your score prediction? Um, one all. Um, I, we need to stop the rot somehow and the, the easy way to stop the rot is not to lose um, but I go back to you know the way, the, the way we play football I, I think we need to go there and have a go um, I don't think we've got any other options than that um, I might be blindly optimistic um, but I, you know, I, I think this, you know, could this be the game where, where there's a bit of a turning point? I don't know what the atmosphere is like at Forest at the moment. Whether there's remains of to be, you know, a bit of a mutiny within the crowd. Um, you know, they expect better than to be sitting themselves, probably only um, six, nine points off, off being in the bottom three. So, you know, I think we just need to go there and um, and, and get and you know, do what we can. Um, Having said that, I think we'll probably lose 2-0. <laughs> <laughs> massive, massive game Saturday. I mean, I, my score prediction, I've got, I've got, I'm siding alongside Matt, I'm afraid. But I don't know where our goals are coming from. I mean, it, all the first 15 minutes are massively crucial. You keep the forest crowd quiet, get them moaning. It's got to be stand, stand up early doors, get stuck in. It's the second balls. Those second balls are massive. You know, not standing and not looking at it. 
in the, uh, you know, you got. Uh, I think I mentioned it earlier on about Alan McCormick leaders and that. But you got to have a, you got to have eleven leaders out there. People shouting. What I, what I don't like, I don't hear, I don't hear verbals on the pitch. Like you only see one person shouting. That's Alan McCormick. They should all be shouting. Saturday, they should all be up for it. They play it with a future, their careers, everything. It's a massive game Saturday. A massive, massive game. As Dave said, potentially this time next week, we could be safe. Score prediction. 2-0 to Forest. Oh, the Liberal. Uh, we, the Liberal. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, I know we're few in number, but there's more than one. Um, we are. We could on Saturday night be three points off the relegation zone if the results go, go the wrong way. Um, and if you look at it, let's assume that Bolton and Charlton, I think, are down. And I'm getting knowing nods around this table that that's probably the case. Uh, so the final relegation spot I would suggest is between MK Dons, Fulham, Rotherham, Bristol City and Brentford. And there's a pattern there, as you'll see if you look at the fixture list, is those, those are the teams. But what, what, we, what we've got to remember is the, the, the fixtures don't run out this Saturday. So even if things didn't go our way and we were closer to the trapdoor than we would hope, there's still a long way to go, and it, I think I think it's the Bolton game on 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 Tuesday. If we don't beat Bolton, then you've got to question whether we deserve to stay up. And then and and then you know I know that's I know that's not a very easy thing for a Brentford fan to say, but you know you want us to stay up, you 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 urge us to stay up. But if we can't beat people clubs that are that poor this year you know, you, you've got a question whether we are going to stay up I have just laid a great ball for Dave to score in the back of the net and therefore my prediction on Saturday is that we'll win 1-0 and this time next week we'll all be saying problems, what problems? As I said, as I said this time next week we could be safe and then we, we just got to do what we have to do. And for me Saturday, um We've had a two-week break. Um, we've had Rodriguez. He kind of knows what he needs to do now. Um, their top scorer, is it Oliveira? He scored eight goals, you know. Fibe scored seven. We've got Judge who scored, what, 14. You know, so we do know. We, we, we've, we've got to find the net at some time over the next nine games. You know what I'm saying? I know that their fans are frust- really frustrated, and that's why they were so excited with Asambalonga coming back and scoring a bit, of a bit of a peach goal, if you've seen it on Twitter. He scored a bit of a peach goal in the development game, under-21 game yesterday it was. Fair enough, but this may be a bit too early for him, which might be, you know, might be good for us. So I think the opportunity is for there for us to get a result. One nil, bees will grind out a result. I'd say. Was it over twenty-one stones? Right, some longer. He was actually get. He's actually looks like a bit of a tank. Actually, it has to be said. He looks a bit of a tank. He's put a bit of weight on. I don't know. Bulked out. I wouldn't necessarily say it's the pie thing. He's actually bulked out. Don't be fattest. Don't be fattest. No, 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 won't do. <laughs> but listen, <laughs> this is this is <laughs> the pie thing. But anyway, listen. This is <laughs> the python. You said the python. Listen, they're just mincing my words now. But look, this is the besotted pride of West London podcast. Been a good evening with the lads here. We're the Queen's Head in Brook Green. Brook Green. Hammersmith, Brook Green. Lovely pub. If you're around here, come and pop your head in. Tell them that we were here. They might tell you to go away. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we're having fun anyway, so it doesn't matter. We'll probably never be invited back. No, they've been great. Absolutely brilliant hosts. Thank you very much for having us, uh, the Queen's Head. But really good food. 
So, anyway, fingers crossed. Three points on Saturday. We didn't talk too much about the Bolton game because, to be honest with you, that is like, you know, that's in the distance. We need to have that. But for us, big, big, big seven days for Brentford. But as we know, there's only one way to cheer your team on, wherever you may be, as we say. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.